First of all, I would just like to give a very warm welcome to all of Gather tonight for this special uh, Remembrance Day service and a special word of welcome to our visitors who have come to help us in the meeting tonight. We really do appreciate that very much. We trust that the Lord will bless each one as we congregate here and meet around the Word of God on this occasion. We're going to make a start by singing to the praise of God, the hymn number 268 in the hymn book. You can use the hymn book, or it is up on the screen, uh, so whatever you feel happy with, if you want to use the hymn book, please feel free to do so. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place. He has made me glad. Let's stand together to worship God, please. At this stage I want to just briefly pray, pray for God's help tonight in the service, then we'll have another hymn, and then we will come to the relaying ceremony, quite a number to get through tonight, so we'll bow for prayer to begin with, 
And let's give God praise for his blessings to us as a people, as a nation. Our Father, we're thankful tonight for the privilege of being able to come into thy sacred presence. We do give thee thanks for the freedom and the liberty that we enjoy tonight to gather in this fashion in the house of God, to sing thy praise, to offer prayer, and to hear the preaching of the word of God. We're thankful for the freedom that has been purchased at a great cost. And Lord, we're thankful for the memory of those in past times as they fought so bravely and courageously for freedom and liberty. And Lord, we reap the benefit of what they were able to achieve. And we do pray that even tonight, as we have this memorial service, Remembrance Day service, that our hearts indeed will be thankful to God for what he's done even for our country and our nation and our land. And we know that it has come at a high cost. We think even now of those who have been tragically bereaved down through the years in the ongoing conflict here in Northern Ireland. And we pray that they will draw graciously near uh, to families and those who have still feel, uh, Lord, the loss, keenly feeling the loss of those who have been tragically removed from them because of terrorism. Lord, we're thankful for the help that God has been to his people in all generations. Thank you for the comfort and consolation that uh, we can find in the Holy Scriptures. And we pray that in these dark days, even for our nation and for our land, that it might even please thee to bring us back to our first love, bring us back to the old ways uh, when men walk in the fear of God, uh, at least showing reverence for God's day and God's truth and God's word. Uh, Lord, thou didst do great things in the past, and we should be encouraged in this. And we should be grateful and thankful for all the many ways God has intervened and even for the freedom we still have in this land. And we know that it is under threat in these times. And so we lift our voices to thee again and pray that it might please thee to step in and turn the tide and restore, uh, Lord, uh, some fear of God in the hearts of men and women in these times. And may thy word again become a book that people often uh, turn to in times of need and read for themselves. May they find comfort in prayer and seeking the face of God. And these are the things that really matter. And so in these times, may this nation get back to things that really count and things that really matter and things that will bring good to the nation, things that God has promised to bless uh, even in our land if we turn to him. So continue with us now and Draw graciously near, and may we sense thy presence in the house of God tonight. For we pray these things with thanksgiving, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing another hymn. It's the hymn number 752. And uh, as we sing this hymn, uh, those who are laying wreaths, if you would like to uh, go to the porch and collect your wreaths there, and then I will call upon you when needed. Uh, to come to the front and lay that wreath. So it's hymn number 752, 752 in the hymn book. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, 
our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. So when we get down to uh, verse 3, finish the verse 3, all those who are laying reeds, please make your way down to the porch, please. Let's stand again the same. <laughs> list I have before me uh, for those who attend our prayer meeting. It's a little bit like Ezra chapter 2 with all the list of names. So there's quite a number of names here. I trust I'll get everything right. Uh, the first two lay the wreath as Alderman Mark Fielding on behalf of the Causeway Coast and Glens Borough Council. Constable Raymond Storey on behalf of the Police Service of Northern Ireland.
Corporal Denver Henderson, on behalf of the 152nd Ulster Transport Regiment Army Reserves. Sergeant James Neal, Lance Bombardier Harvey Smith and Cadet Marley Shaw on behalf of the 1st Northern Ireland Battalion, Army Cadet Force, Korean Detachment, B Company. Cadets First Class Joe Gormley, Shea Abelson, Wilson, on behalf of Port Rush Sea Cadets. Mr. Tommy McCool, retired senior officer, Northern Ireland Prison Service, a memory of all, including colleagues whose lives were taken in service. Mr. Bob Andrews, on behalf of the Ulster Special Constabulary Association, Med Antrim Branch. Mr. Norman Buck, on behalf of Korean Branch of the Regimental Association of the 5th County London Dairy Battalion, Ulster Defence Regiment. Mr. William Calvin, on behalf of Ballymoney Branch of the Royal British Legion.
Mr. Mark Callahan, on behalf of the Korean District Chapter No. 1 of the Royal Black Institution. Mr. Gareth McRoberts, District Master-Elect, on behalf of the Korean District Chapter No. 2 of the Royal Arch Purple. <coughs> Mr. Ivan Kelly, past County Grand Master, on behalf of the County Londonderry Grand Orange Lodge. Mr. Norman Edgar, District Secretary, on behalf of the Korean District Lodge No. 2 of the Loyal Orange Institution. Mr. Leslie Campbell, Worshipful Master, on behalf of the Mullins LOL, Number 34 of the Independent Loyal Orange Institution. Mr. Hugh Boyd, on behalf of Coleraine and District Amalgamated Committee of the Apprentice Boys of Derry. some younger uh, people tonight from our own church Frankie Miller, Scarlett Morrow and Zach Boyce on behalf of Korean Free Presbyterian Sunday School And finally, the last one, last but not least, Mr. Stephen McLean, Clark Recession on behalf of the members of Korean Free Presbyterian Church. just like to thank everyone tonight for doing this part and the remembrance service. Let's just think about those words that we say every year. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them or the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning we will remember them.
Would the congregation please stand? Tell them of us and say, For your tomorrows we give our today. Let's bow for prayer, please. Lord, we thank Thee for these few solemn moments when we bow together in our church service. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, as we have already prayed, for the great sacrifices that have been made in two great world wars and wars ever since. We think of the multitudes, men and women, cut off 
in the defense of freedom and liberty. We thank you that they fought fearlessly and they did what was expected of them. Sadly, many never returned to their homes, to their loved ones. And we think of more recent times, even down through the years in our own land, we think of the tragedy after tragedy. Think of the, the many lives that have been lost as a result of terrorism. And our Heavenly Father, we do commend those who are still grieving unto thee that some are standing in the shadows, they will find Jesus and they will know him by the nail prints in his hand. We do pray for peace for our land. We ask of thee that thou wilt move in some wondrous and mysterious way to secure this for us. Be pleased, O God, to bring us back to be a God-fearing people, a God-fearing nation. Uh, the greatness of Great Britain was achieved because of the fear of God. There was a time when there was a God-fearing spirit. Sadly, that is gone. And with it, all the many blessings that accompanied it. And we cry unto thee, O God, that in the midst of these days that thou wilt give us grace to repent of our sins and to call upon God for divine intervention, that he might stay the hand of the enemy, turn the tide. Think of other places in the world tonight where war is still supreme and reigning. Think of the situation in Ukraine and the aggressor that is there as well in the form of Putin. We pray that God will be pleased to intervene there. Remember those who have been bereaved and those who have been made homeless and those who need medical supplies and food and those who are cold and weary. We're thankful for the great response from our country to sending things to bring some kind of comfort to the thousands and thousands that are suffering there. And, oh God, we pray that soon that conflict will come to an end, that the Lord will intervene in some mysterious way. We cannot tell God how to work, but we leave these matters in the hands of God. Remember us now as the meeting continues, and bless us as we meet around the word. But best of all, we thank thee with grateful hearts for the greatest conflict that ever raged, the greatest battle that was ever fought on a hillside outside the wall city of Jerusalem where the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, took on the forces of darkness, Satan, and sin, and by his death on the cross defeated them to secure salvation for those who would believe. Keep that ever before us in these times and continue with us for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to ask our brother McLean to come uh, to make the necessary announcements for us, please. Thank you, Stephen. Well, good evening, everyone. And on behalf of the inter-moderator session and committee of Coleraine, Free Presbyterian Church, can I bid each and every one of you welcome to our special remembrance service tonight. It's great to see uh, such a good turnout and the church well filled. So thank you for coming tonight to our church. You're very welcome. And also those joining us online, uh, we welcome you also uh, by way of our webcast. And we want to welcome, of course, our preacher uh, for tonight, our inter-moderator, the Reverend Derek Irwin. 
Straight after the meeting tonight, there is supper provided for everyone, and you're very welcome to stay and enjoy a time of fellowship uh, with us tonight. If you're not familiar with our church, if you just go out uh, through the doors there and then turn immediately left, that will take you in the direction of the church hall, and that is where the supper will be provided for you tonight. So again, you're very welcome. Uh, we trust that you will feel at home here with us tonight, and of course, you're welcome to come back at any time uh, to visit us here. Our services half past 11 and half past 6 each Sunday. You'd be very welcome at any of those meetings. Then just for our own people, the announcements for the incoming week as follows. Tuesday night at 8pm we have our prayer meeting and Bible study and the Reverend Urban will be a preacher. Friday night at 7 the young people are asked to meet for a short choir practice and then they will be travelling over to Rosharkin Free Presbyterian Church to attend the Friday night of their special week of meetings and the young people will be leaving the church car park at a quarter past seven. So 7 p.m. for the choir practice and then leaving at 7.15 to travel to Rosharkin. The service is next Lord's Day at the usual times, 10 a.m. Sunday school and Bible class. And then the service is at half past 11 and half past six when the preacher is Mr. Andrew Urban, one of the students in the Whitfield College of the Bible. And also 3.30 p.m., next Sunday, the Sunday School Teachers Prayer Meeting. So I think those are all the announcements made subject to the will of God, and we'll hand back now to the Reverend Urban. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to sing a further hymn. It's the hymn number 754 in the hymn book. To thee, our God, we fly for mercy and for grace. O hear our lowly cry, and hide not thou thy face. Hymn number 754. You can use the hymn book again. Singing has been very good. Keep it up now. Or you can just follow on the screen. You'll find the words there. 754 will stand again to sing, please.
be seated. That was very good singing again. Now for a little time, I want to draw your attention to God's Word, the Holy Bible, Holy Scriptures, and it is to Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, and I want to read just a couple of verses and then to bring a short message in the gospel. The message of the gospel is the most important part of any meeting, the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 13. And we'll read to the end of verse 15. And he went forth, that is again, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. May God be pleased to bless his word to all of our hearts, for Christ's sake. Amen. For a little time, I want to preach on an unexpected turning point. An unexpected turning point. The Battle of Britain was considered one of the Second World War's big turning points. After the courageous victory of the British Air Force, Sir Winston Churchill proclaimed these timeless and these profound words familiar to many gathered here tonight in God's house. Remember what he said? Never in the field of human conflict was so much being owed by so many to so few. A turning point had come, brought about by the brave few for the thankful many. And in the story before us, in Mark chapter 2, we read of another turning point. That is a turning point in the life of a man called Levi. It would be a wonderful thing if you returned home tonight from this service a changed man or a changed woman. That would be a great blessing to you and a marvel and a wonderful thing for your home and for your family. Our Lord always had a keen eye for spotting the diamond in the rough. And Levi was such a man. But Levi was converted to Christ that memorable day when Jesus passed by his little office there in Capernaum. It really was a surprising conversion that he experienced because Levi was a most unlikely candidate to become a disciple. In fact, he was the kind of person nobody liked. And that must have been a bit of a a difficult thing for him and the job that he was involved in. Uh, that Jesus should choose a man like this is truly amazing. It's beyond human understanding. 
But then the Lord's ways are not our ways. It was also a sudden conversion. Levi never expected that day when he left home to go to his little office in Capernaum that he would return a changed man. So what happened to him happened to him suddenly. He became a Christian that day. Or to put it in another way, he got saved that day. It will be a wonderful thing for you to be saved this day in the house of God as Jesus is passing by. For every time the gospel is preached and you hear the gospel, that is the Lord Jesus passing by to give you the golden opportunity to repent of your sin, to believe the gospel, and to trust in him for salvation. Of course, that's in your best interests in a way. Because a life that's lived for God will end up in the paradise prepared by God for his redeemed people. And everybody wants to go there. And uh, you don't hear too many people talking about wanting to go to the other destination, that place called hell. But you can be saved today by the grace of God. And then it was a spiritual conversion because it lasted for all of his life. And when Levi came to Dimonot, told when that happened, when he came to close his eyes in death, he just went in to the presence of Christ to be there for eternity. That's how simple it is. An unexpected turning point. I have three things that I want to mention that day when Jesus passed by Levi in Capernaum. What Jesus saw as he passed by we're told in verse 14 he saw Levi. Where, where was he sitting when Jesus passed by? He was sitting at the receipt of custom. That was at the toll booth or the tax office. I suppose uh, we would know it today as the county hall in Capernaum. It wasn't much to look at, but that's where Matthew had his stall there, and that's where the people came to pay their tribute and their taxes. The Lord knew this man's name. He knew his occupation. He knew his spiritual condition. And he knew exactly where to find him. And as Jesus passes by today, let me say something to you. He sees individuals sitting here in these pews. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your thoughts. He knows your spiritual condition. He knows your occupation. And he knows where to find you. And he knows your thoughts about the gospel and being here tonight and everything else. Those things are known unto him. And the word that is used there for saw in the original is an interesting word. Jesus saw him. It means to view. It means to behold intently. To look with attention. So the Lord looked right into his heart and he could see what was there. You don't know what's in my heart tonight. I don't know what's in your heart but I want to tell you something right now. God knows us in your heart. He knows your thoughts. And one day, unless you repent, you'll give an account of your thoughts and your ways and your attitudes and actions towards the gospel and everything else. He knows everything about you. It implies a penetrating uh, thought, a penetrating look. He focused his eyes upon Levi and searched his soul with penetrating perception. The God who made all things out of nothing by the word of his power knows all things. 
He never had a beginning and he will never have an ending. He's eternal. He knows all things. He sees all things. He's all powerful. He's got a great plan for this world that might be hard for some of us to accept and so on. But he has a great plan for this world. And everything is just working out according to that divine purpose and plan. Nothing uh, takes him by surprise. Nobody can outwit him, get the upper hand on him. He knows the end from the beginning. And the thing about it is he's merciful and gracious and long-suffering. The God who spoke everything into being is a compassionate, loving, gracious Savior who wants to take people home to dwell with him in heaven. And glory, where there'll be no sickness, separation, sorrow, no more partings of the way, to be in a place of perfection created by Him. That's what the Father in heaven desires for men and women and boys and girls. So when Jesus passed by that day, He looked into this man's heart, He knew everything about Him. Luke calls Him a publican or a tax collector. Matthew calls him the publican. He was the very one. He was the man. He was what I suppose we would call today a civil servant working for the hated Romans. He worked for the Roman government. Who likes a tax man? At the end of the year, you frown and complain and moan about the much tax you have to pay. Well, Levi was a tax collector. And he just didn't take what was required. He took a wee bit more and he pocketed that, you see. That's why the people didn't like him. That's the kind of boy he was. And uh, I don't think we would be too impressed with uh, his tactics and uh, the standard of his work. And these, uh, uh, these positions were not by appointment. These positions were uh, up for sale. They were purchased to the highest bidder, you see. And if you thought you were going to make a lot of money from different people, you would pay a lot of money to buy that particular position. Whenever money was collected beyond the requirement, he pocketed that. He kept it to himself. So the system allowed itself uh, to, uh, for dishonesty. He became rich with the stolen money from his countrymen. And that's why he was so hated. He was dishonest. He was disliked. And he was disgraced. But the thing about it is this. When Jesus came that day calling, he set his eye upon that man and he set his love upon that man. And he says, Levi, I'm going to do a work of grace in your heart. You might be unpopular. You might be a thief and a rogue. But I'm going to change your life. I'm going to change you this very day. And that's what Christ can do, you see, because he's got the power People like Levi could not serve as a judge or be a witness in a court. Nobody would believe them, you see. That's the reason why. And uh, the Jewish tax collectors were the most hated men in Hebrew society. Now, his name, Levi, that was his post-conversion name. It means joined. It means joined. And it may have referred to the tribe that he belonged to because there was a religious tribe of the people of Israel called Levi. And they were the religious side of the work of God in, in the land of Israel. So this man may have been uh, a man with a priestly privilege in the Jewish community. 
because the tribe of Levi was set apart for worship and the service of God. And what he was involved in was a far cry from what he was set apart to do. Reputation didn't mean anything to him. The all-important thing was riches. Worship wasn't high in his list of priorities. Uh, he worked day and night, and as he worked day and night, he was lining his own pockets at the expense of others. And uh, you've heard tell of the story of the prodigal son, and in the far country, the Bible says he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And that word joined simply means glued. And here was a man, Levi, and we could say of him, he was glued to a sin. He wouldn't let go of his sin. Like so many people today, they think that life is just all about living uh, to enjoy all of the benefits of this world. But life is a time to prepare to meet God. Life is a time to live for God and to serve him. What's going to happen when life comes to an end for you? What will you have then? That's the important thing. That can happen at any time. We were greatly saddened to hear this weekend of a two-year-old child in a farm around Ballymoney being tragically cut off. We hear these kind of things all the time. A two-year-old child could be you next time, could be me, could be somebody that you know with no guarantees. We don't know how the day will end for us. We, we have no insight into these things at all. So the point is this, it comes unexpectedly to us all. And if you're found out of Christ, then you'll remain out of Christ. You can live for the world and die enjoying the things of the world and there's pleasures to be had in this old world. But it doesn't last. That's the, the hard reality. It doesn't last. It comes to an end. And then by that time, you might have no desires after God at all. Who, who thinks that they're going to have an opportunity to get right at the 11th hour? If a man or woman lives all of their days, all of their lives without any desires after God, what gives you the, the right to think that when it comes to the last moment, you're lying there dying with cancer, you're lying there in a sick bed, you've got a heart attack and you're ready to go. What makes you think for one moment you're going to have an opportunity to seek the Lord then. I was asked years ago to go to visit a young man who was suffering from cancer. He hadn't long left. And I went to see him. And he said, listen, Pastor, I can't even listen to you now because I'm in so much pain. And I did the best I could to tell him the message of salvation. But he said, listen, I can't take that then. I'm in so much pain. And that's the way he died. Sad to say, and that has happened to so many people down through the years. They think they're going to live forever. They think they're going to live to a grand old age, and suddenly, life is gone. They're in eternity, they're lost, and they're lost forever. No way back, no message of hope after that. And I cannot impress this upon your minds and hearts with an zeal. Only the Spirit of God can apply this to your needy heart. You can think about it lightly. You can think this is a superficial, in a superficial way. Uh, you don't have any time for the, the things of God. Well, I want to tell you tonight, you will remember this meeting. You will remember every opportunity you had. 
every time you said no to Jesus Christ. Oh, for all eternity. Cut off. So he's joined to his sin. It says, Jesus saw Levi. He saw this man sitting there in a sin. Joined to his sin. Then we must move on for the second point. What Jesus said as he passed by. But what did Jesus say to this man, Levi, as he passed by? In verse 14 it says, follow me. It wasn't complicated. Is that complicated? Follow me. The language was simple. The message was short, but very, very clear. And you will notice that Christ spoke first. And Levi really said nothing. So the Lord in mercy and in grace was walking through Capernaum. The man was working away, counting up his money. And the Lord just said, follow me. Levi said nothing. He said nothing at all. Levi was sought in a very particular way because the Bible does say that Jesus said unto him, follow me. It was directed to Levi, not to someone in the crowd, not to a colleague, but to him. He set his eye upon Levi and he says, Levi, follow me. I'm speaking to you. And the finger of God is pointing at you tonight and he's saying, I'm speaking to you. I have got a message for you from the preacher in the pulpit. And he's saying to you, and the finger of God is pointing now. The finger of God is pointing now and saying, follow me. Follow me. He said unto him, that's what the Bible says. He called him powerfully. He called him in a particular fashion. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Remember Mary on the resurrection day, she went to the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ and someone approached her and she thought he was the gardener. She turned away from the gardener and then he spoke her name. He said unto her, Mary, she recognized the voice. She didn't recognize it before. It's just a stranger. But there was something about that voice that just broke her heart and melted her heart. She recognized it to be the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Savior is calling you tonight. Maybe you made a profession when you were younger. You've got away from God, but you still remember the voice. And that voice is saying to you tonight, Mary, John, Peter, whatever it is, I have a word in season for you. When the Lord went to the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus was dead. And that's typical of what men and women are. They're dead in trespasses and in sins. He can't get out of the grave. He's wrapped up in the linen and the grave clothes. But Jesus comes and from outside the grave, the stone is rolled away. And Jesus cries, Lazarus, come forth. There's the name again. He's naming the individual. And he had to name Lazarus because there probably would have been other people buried in that same area. And had he just said, come forth, there could have been a dozen or two dozen people came forth. But he said, Lazarus, I'm after you, Lazarus. I'm calling you. And that's the way God works. He works personally. He calls individuals by name to faith in Jesus Christ. He calls men to repentance. And he's calling you to repentance tonight. Remember Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a wicked man. He was a murderer. And he wanted to go to Damascus to secure the arrest of believers. 
He got all the necessary papers and he set off in his steed and he's, he's, he's going there to Damascus and suddenly a light shines from heaven and he's blinded and he falls to the ground and he hears a voice. Now, the voice was clear. It said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul responded, what will thou have me to do? Now, Saul wasn't alone on the road that day. He had a whole host of people with him. He was an important man. He had a lot of soldiers with him. But listen, they never had that experience. We don't really have any of them trusting in Christ. They stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. They heard the voice, but they didn't see anybody. And the Lord called Saul of Tarsus. And the Lord changed his life from being a murderer into becoming a missionary. He became one of the greatest preachers of all time. He's given to us the greater part of the New Testament. So here's a man lifted out of the very depths of sin by the grace of God. And what he did for him, he can do for you. And he's done this for many people down through the years. You may think to yourself, my life is in a mess. I'm in a mess. My home's in a mess. My marriage is in a mess because of sin. No one can do anything for me. Jesus can. Jesus can set you free. He can save your soul. He can change your life and your attitude and your aspirations and your desires. He can make all things new. He can change you from being a rebel against God into a child of God, a preacher of the word. One who can liberate your soul and set you gloriously free. This is the power of the gospel. This is the gospel I believe in. This is the gospel that this church preaches about. The gospel that changes lives. That gets men out of the pit of sin. And promises them a home in glory. A home in heaven. You can't get to heaven any other way. You can't earn it. You can't gain it. You can't pray into it. You can't achieve it any other way. You've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Christ is the only way. He's the answer. Being a Protestant doesn't do any good. Being a Roman Catholic doesn't do any good. Being a Buddhist or a Muslim doesn't do any good. We've got to take the place of being sinners. We've got to confess that we're sinners before God and that if we want to get to heaven, we've got to come God's way. That's the appointed way in the Holy Scriptures. People don't like this kind of message. A man that preaches the gospel the way it ought to be preached will offend people. And I'm sorry if the gospel offends you, but I would rather offend you as offend my God and not tell you the truth. We've got to awaken up to these hard realities. We cannot bury our heads in the sand. We've got to be realistic. There was a time when Great Britain flourished under the open word of God. A time when there was in society even a fear of God among people who were unconverted. But that is gone. There's so many things happening in such a short space of time. The coming of the Lord draws near. And Britain is dead in trespasses and sins. And Ulster is dead in trespasses and in sins. And if we want to know what has happened to the country, we've got to look into our own hearts. We can blame this and we can blame that and blame something else. But if we were the people God expects us to be, things would be different. We would be different. The society would be different in which we live. Our homes would be different. A God-fearing attitude is a good thing. 
May we repent and seek the Lord for his mercy. What Jesus said when he passed by, follow me. Just two words in the English, follow me. One word in the original. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross of Calvary, he died the just for the unjust to bring us to God. And when he concluded his sufferings there on Calvary's cross, he's had a terrible night before in the hands of the sinners. He's had a terrible day, terrible morning. He's been bruised and bleeding and, and spat upon and stripped naked and then nailed to an old rugged cross. His back has been lacerated. This is the Son of God, the creator of all things. This is what man did to God's Son. He wasn't suffering for crimes that he had committed. This is God manifest in flesh. God sent him to become a man, to die for men on Calvary's cross, to receive the punishment due to mankind. And there he is, an agonies in blood. And then he comes to die with a loud voice. He's not weak. His strength is not diminished. With a loud voice he cries, It is finished. What's finished? The work of accomplishing salvation for ill-deserving, undeserving sinners. That you and I might receive forgiveness and pardon and be reconciled to God. And when it comes to die, to have a place to go to in heaven for eternity. To be with the Lord forever. To save us from going to that place called hell. That's a terrible place. Who wants to talk about that? But let me tell you something. You can close your ears to it if you so desire. One of these days, unless there is repentance, you'll waken up in this terrible place. What a reality that will be. Lost, lost, lost in the darkness forever. A man in Luke 16, a story that Jesus told, people say it's a parable I tend to think that it did actually happen. And he died. And he said to Abraham, send Lazarus because I'm thirsty here. Just for a drop of water to be placed upon the tip of my tongue. I'm, I'm tormented in this flame. Tormented. That's probably 2,000 years ago. He's still tormented. He's still there. He's still damned. No way out. And that is why Jesus on the cross cried, I thirst. I thirst. Because at that moment of time, he was suffering hell on behalf of his people. And part of the suffering of hell is the thirst. I thirst. But thank God Jesus said to a woman at the well, in John chapter 4, if you drink of the water of this, you'll certainly thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, speaking of salvation, you'll never thirst again. You'll never thirst again. So, in the original, it's just one word. In the English, it is, it is finished. But in the original, it's just one word. One word can change your life. One word from Christ makes the difference. It can set you free, change your life, give you hope for the future. And paradise, heaven, at the end of the journey, free of charge. He's a wonderful saviour. 
he can save to the very uttermost all that come unto God by him, for he ever liveth to make intercession for them. What Jesus saw as he passed by, what Jesus said as he passed by, follow me. And then finally, what Jesus sought as he passed by. We're told here about Levi, he arose and followed him. That was Christ's intention in speaking to Levi. He wanted Levi to follow him. And the Bible says, Levi, he arose. It was a passing opportunity, personal invitation, and a very positive response. Levi arose, and he began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. God calls men and women individually. He calls them individually by name. He's building his church one by one and inviting Levi to follow him. He sought another sheep for his flock, another stone for his building, another son for his family, another jewel for his crown, another laborer for his work, another light to shine for him, another redeemed soul for heaven. Levi arose and followed Christ. D.L. Moody was selling shoes when a man called Edward Kimball called on him in the Boston shoe shop where he worked. I spoke to him personally about Christ and it was there that D.L. Moody became a believer because someone took the time to speak to him about the need of his soul. I've taken some time to speak to you about your need tonight. I trust I've done it in a compassionate way, in a sympathetic way, in a caring way. I don't think I have been harsh. I've been telling you the truth. It gives me no pleasure to tell people that they're going to be lost, but it gives me pleasure to tell them there's a Savior from sin. There's one who can redeem you, one who can set you free, one who can liberate you and change your life and make all things new. That day, Levi walked away from the receipt of custom, from deceiving people. Never went back there. Left his, he, he took with him his, his pen and his paper, if you can use the term paper, whatever he wrote on. His name was changed to Matthew. And if you open the New Testament, the first book you come across is written by a man called Matthew, the very same character. The man who was a deceiver, the man who was hated, the man who was despised. So when he walked away from the desk there in Capernaum, he took with him the pen and the paper. And then God used him to write the gospel. Isn't that grace? Isn't that a wonderful story of God's matchless grace and what he can do for the trusting sinner? He became a new creation by God's matchless grace. Now, Matthew never uses his own name, Levi, the old name, in his gospel. Maybe he didn't want to be reminded of his past. He wanted to focus on the future. Well, somebody here might be troubled with their past. Well, if you confess your sins to him, he'll take care of that. He'll forgive you for past sins, past failures and faults and other issues. He will forgive you. You may have to live with the consequences of your sin. But he will forgive you and remove the dross and the filth and the sin and clean the slate 
and your name will be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life and guaranteed a place in heaven. But what you've got to do, you've got to repent of your sin, you've got to turn from your sin, believe the gospel, trust in Christ, and rejoice in his full free salvation that has been presented to you now in this gospel meeting. Jesus is passing by. What does he see? He sees you. What does he say to you? Follow me. What does he seek? He wants to seek you. He wants you to follow him. He wants to take you to the Father's house. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't want you to be lost. He doesn't want you to suffer the consequences of your sin forever. He doesn't want you to be tormented in the lake of fire. He doesn't want to say to you in the judgment day, depart from me, you curse it, I never knew you. No, rather he would desire to say, welcome home to glory. Welcome into my father's house. Welcome home. I remember that. There's mercy with the Lord. A full and free salvation. You can be changed in a moment of time. So Jesus says, Levi, follow me. Just like that. He's on his feet. He pegs up the store. I'm off, man. I don't expect to see you again. But he did because he invited some of his friends into his own house to meet with Jesus. He's changed, you see. And he wants to get his fellow publicans under the means of grace that they too might be saved. Because Jesus changed his life that day. Thank you for your attention tonight. Thank you for the way you've listened. And I just want to say in closing now to you, and I trust I'm saying it as a good friend to you tonight. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And if you seek him with all of your heart, thank God even now where you're seated, you can pass from death unto life from being a child of the devil to becoming a child of God, fit for heaven and for home. That's all I can do. But I pray that God will take his word tonight and apply it to your heart that you will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Lord has spoken to you. Thank you for being here. We appreciate your presence. May God be pleased to bless you. We'll close now in prayer. And then we're going to have supper. Well, maybe just give thanks for the supper as well, so that when you get there, you can get, as we would say in Cullybag, you get stuck in. And I trust you'll stay. And uh, we'll give thanks as well for the provisions. Our Father, we're thankful for thy goodness and thy mercy tonight. Thank you for the simple gospel story about the call of Levi, who became Matthew. Thank thee for the change that was wrought by Christ. We pray that thou will be pleased to bless the truth preached. And now for these good things that thou hast provided for us, accept of our grateful thanks. And may we eat and drink to thy glory. And then as we separate a little bit later, we pray for traveling mercies on the way home again. And bless all of those who have come to help us tonight. We thank thee for their contribution. We thank thee for bringing them here. And may God bless them wherever they go in the days and months and years that I had. And the will of God, for we ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen.
can just file. Oh, oh sorry, I forgot. I've got to stand. I'll never get over that if I didn't sing God Save the King. As long as we get the King in and not the Queen. <laughs> what number is this? Uh, yes, we'll all stand and we'll sing uh, this, just one verse. I don't want to prolong it too long now. We'll stand for one verse. The first verse, 758 of our handbook. blessing of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon all of God's believing people now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>